2: Everyone, welcome to the Roto-Grinders Morning Grind podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday. It's October 19th. It's 2020, and uh, it's time for the Week Six NFL review. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy Jordan Cooper, Blenderhead. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Good after Good after tonight. I, I did <laughs> I did extremely well. Uh, we'll be going over uh, lineups, and uh, we'll hit one of the contests and be like, Oh, who won that one? And that would that would be me.
2: Yeah, I saw that you like. I felt like you jinxed yourself. Like anytime you like I need it to hold for the afternoon, it like never holds. And like, this is like one of those cases where it actually held like, um
1: well, I saw, two, I yeah. saw who was behind me. I saw like <laughs> there was mostly Gaskin and dolphins behind me and it was like <clears throat> 20 plus points. So I'm like, okay, this has a reasonable shot to hold. If it was like a one point difference, I wouldn't have tweeted anything. I'm like, okay, prayer, prayer emoji. Let's go. Let's not hope. Even though I have a ton of Gaskin, uh, I, don't, I don't need any more Gaskin now. I'll take the winning lineup in the slam.
2: So we'll get to that um, in a minute. Uh, awesome. Congratulations to you. Um, you played whoever you wanted. Um, I'm, I'm so pumped you played T. Higgins. It was someone that I was um, overweight on and I talked about on the podcast as being like a sneaky play this weekend. So um i'm really glad that you played t higgins you played whoever you want and you danced your way uh to a fifty thousand dollar payday in the slant so and, and you've talked about it we talked about it in depth last week when we were talking about like contest selection and stuff like that on how awesome like this tournament is in general payout structure wise so it's really good that like you talked about some of the leverage sunday morning you talked about last week on the review show with me on how the payout structure and contest selection for each slate is different and how important it is to know what contest you're entering. So uh, just good to see you get a nice little bank. Um, awesome, man.
1: Right. I eat my own dog food. I, I say what I do and I do what I mean. And that, that's all you have to do. And the, the, the right guys ended up in the right lineup based on building and lineup HQ. And, and there you go.
2: So each week we um, we start with our cash games. We talk DraftKings on this show when we do the review, just because we have results DB um, for DraftKings. So it's a tool on Grinders, It's very very helpful. Um, go back, like I, we got we got a tweet today that was that said, "Why is the review show helpful for the next week?" <laughs> and that that's just so much like simple thinking. Like it is one of the most important things that you can do is go back and review your own process and review others process that are doing well.
1: Right. That's why there's still an edge in DFS. Like, yeah. like I always say with play, whatever you want, it's your, it's not about the plays. It's about the process. It's about lineups, not players. So it's not a matter of like oh my winning lineup had x player in it just so, like well that, x, that player correlated with another player and he fit in that slot so like that's that's why he was in there and the same thing with going over cash lineups typically in in cash games in double ups head to heads there's a much more condensed pool of players that you use that are typically the higher median projected players because you don't need to hit a 250 plus point score in order to, you know, you just need to come in the top half of your contest and you're good. So you could take, there may be maybe 20, maybe 20 guys. And then you have to find the best construction of the nine. And then pretty much a lot of times at higher stakes, you're dealing with two V twos, one V ones, three V threes all around those types of players where you could take a look. At, at a skilled player lineup and go, okay, I, I, I consider that construction. I didn't go that way. And I won or I lost based on that. But most of the time, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're on players that you see in the higher stakes, double ups that come in at single digit ownership, that means you probably screwed up even if you won. So going through and seeing, okay, what constructions uh, were viable, were the most viable in cash games will help you in the future. So you're not, if you, if you open up your cash game, especially in cash games, if you open up your double ups, right? If you're in the big, giant, massive single entry double up and you see half your players at single digit owned, it does not matter if you win or lost. Do you, you had a less skillful lineup. If you continue to play that way, you will lose money. You want to, you want to study the winning players, not the winning lineup. So that's what we try to do on this show.
2: Each week we um we start with our cash lineup. So oh, I don't um, want this... to start
1: with my cash lineup. <laughs> I'm glad that I bink because that saved that saved the hell out of me. I got dusted in cash.
2: I did too. Um so e- every week like on this show, I-, I talk about how like I play a main lineup. Well, I thought it was smart this week to not play a main lineup and separate my single entry um and my cash lineup team. And I should just stick to what I'm good at. Like my, my single entry team put up 153 points. My cash trying put up 123 points. It's like, I you should still just
1: still beat me. Both of them still. Beat me.
2: <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about it. Um, I always let you go first here, run down your, um, DraftKings cash line. Oh, I don't three.
1: even want, I don't even know. I don't even want to look at it. I can run down the general <laughs> cash, like core type of the player pool. that. No,
2: you got to run down yours and oh, then we'll God, get in. I into... don't know how
1: much I scored. I, uh, I okay. <laughs> so this is what I did. Uh, I played Fitzpatrick at quarterback. I played three running backs. I played Alexander Madison, Mike Davis, and David Montgomery. The tight end spot, I played Irv Smith in the defense. I played the Vikings and my three receivers were AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Devonte Adams. I originally had Thielen, Thielen and Burton. And I believe that that was the, uh, the blitz optimal. And, uh, I, was, I didn't think I needed to pay $7,300 for Thielen. I thought, if, can I get $700 and could just get Devonte Adams, right? Because I just I just thought that he had such a higher target share that, I mean, he was going to get more targets than, than Thielen. So I did that. But I also considered other constructions, okay? So, like, at the quarterback position. So that this is the rundown of, like, here's the player pool that I looked at, and then how do I build the lineup? And, of course, I made all the wrong decisions. Uh, so at, at quarterback you, you probably, you played either Fitzpatrick, Tannehill, or Stafford, okay? Stafford was third on my list for me, personally. I, I'm i going Tannehill or Fitzpatrick, 5,900, I'm good. At running back, I thought there were five viable, and I'm using one as not as viable on DraftKings, but, the, I mean, he got there. Uh, that would be Madison, Davis, Montgomery, and Miles Gaskin. The fifth one is Derrick Henry. Better play on FanDuel, a guy that did barely in the passing game on a PP full-part PPR site. If you had to choose between Madison or Henry, you take Madison, right? And then, the, then if you choose between Davis or Henry, you take Davis. And then the 3-7K running back build probably was not optimal. But of course, Henry smashed, and he was actually higher owned in the lower stakes than in the higher stakes, uh, significantly. Like in the higher stakes, Henry was like twice as less owned. So you can see the sharper players did not play Henry in cash games on DraftKings. Then at tight end, you probably punted with either Irv Smith or Trey Burton uh, defense. You probably played either the Vikings or the dolphins dolphins were 2,900 Vikings were 2,300. And the wide receiver pool was uh, the, tr- the AJ Brown was the number one choice at 5,600. They didn't price him up after the last game. Uh, and then you had Kenny Galladay, Adam Thielen. Uh, Chase Claypool was viable, although the uncertainty on what what he he was going to do after he just you know one game sample size, we don't know. Uh, you could have played Terry McLaurin, Devonte Adams, if you wanted to pay up. But I mean, that's kind of kind of like if you yeah, if you played Philip Lindsay st- as your cheap running back, I don't think you were you were nuts to doing that. Uh, but I mean, I th- I think that's that's pretty much pretty much the core. I mean, if you played. I don't even know what other receivers that you would have played in cash games, but that's that's pretty much it. And Burton, uh, Smith had a pretty good game, but Burton had a much better game. And then uh, Claypool gets there on four targets and a rush. Galladay gets there on five targets and four catches and gets the hundred yard bonus.
2: Well, Galladay. That's why, why, like,
1: I was off of Galladay. I was like, do I need Galladay? I thought McLaurin had just as much volume. Yeah. And and line spread the ball out enough. So I'm like, McLaurin's like the only guy there. So like, I'll take McLaurin, even though his downside is inefficiency because you have Kyle Allen throwing him the ball. Thielen is like a safe play, but he has a floor, but seventy three hundred. I'd rather just get Adams at that point, and then Claypool. Do I want to take a shot on? You know, I thought that was iffy, and I thought like AJ Brown was easy. Like AJ Brown, I'm just shoving in there, and the same thing at running backs with Mike Davis. Like I, I. I look at my lineup and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not like significantly upset. The Dolphins defense outscored the Vikings defense by 15 points. Burton outscored Irv Smith by like 11 points. And like any two V two involved those guys, but Tannehill outscored Fitzpatrick by like 10 points. So like the difference between my cash lineup and like just the very limited switching between defense, tight end, and a maybe a wide receiver or something? Or uh, is the difference in, like, 35, 40 points in your lineup? I just happened, all the choices I made were the 40 points on the other end. So, like, uh, like, like that's why I said, that's why you play cash and GPP. So, uh, if you, you don't do well in GPP, you get a nice little profit in cash games, you put in your pocket, survive to live another day, and move on. But in the case where you get completely crushed in cash – Oh, uh, you come in first place, and it makes up for anything. I, I, am I, am I, I'm not typically that this type of cash day. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be curled in the fetal position somewhere. But now it's like, ah, oh, who cares? Who cares that I lost like ninety percent of my head-to-heads? But came <laughs> in first, so it did, I look at the green number. The green number is way more than what I entered. So, like, I'm just gonna okay, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs>
2: Um, all right. So my cash lineup was really close. Like we were really close in cash this week. Um, I played Fitzpatrick, Madison, Montgomery, Davis. Um, like you, I played Thielen, Galladay, Claypool, Burton and Bengals defense. So my two V two that I was like debating on, I was on the wrong side of my two V two as well. And that's why my single entry team did so well. I was debating on Julio and Thielen or Miami and Cincinnati defense. So like, Julio with Miami defense or <laughs> um, dealing with the Bengals defense. So like I was playing Galladay, his numbers are not going to show like he had, um, he had three or four, four pass interference calls against him. Like easy. One of them was an easy touchdown. He got ran through. So like, listen, he got there. He scored 17 and a half points. He wasn't going to kill you. Claypool. Like you said, he did it on limited targets. Um, he is such a... They really like him in Pittsburgh, and he's such a big athletic guy. When the news came out that um, Johnson was going to be out, like, Claypool at 5,200, I didn't want to play the Titans. And, and, like, that's why I got crushed today in tournaments. Like, I was way underweight on the Titans, um, and, and, like, I just do not want to play the Titans. Like, Derrick Henry, he crushed. He crushed on, like, two monster two plays. plays. Pretty much yeah, two like...
1: plays got him there.
2: And like that game ended up being like a shootout and it ended up crushing. So like, you know, you definitely needed to have exposure to Brown and Henry and Tana Hill. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick was great in the first half, but he didn't need to do anything in the second half. Um, they just absolutely manhandled the jets in that game. And I would, I had Fitzpatrick and I was a little worried about playing the Miami defense, but overall, like my cash lineup, doesn't bother me looking at it. Now, Madison had a bad day. Montgomery had opportunities to score touchdowns and didn't get in the end zone a couple times. Um, Mike Davis had like two or three targets um, in the first three quarters of the game. Like it was just, it was just a weird, weird day. But like Trey Burton was an automatic for me when the news came out that Cox was going to be out. I like Burton before the news even came out. Like he was a guy that I had wrote up in like expert survey and stuff this week on Wednesday. Um, so like that was an easy decision for me. Like uh, again, I'm with you. Uh, I, I on DraftKings, it was just it was Madison over Henry. He didn't get the workload. They trailed by what three touchdowns almost the entire yeah, game. Had
1: three interceptions in like the first quarter.
2: Yeah, it was just it was crazy. Like Cousins, Cousins had I think two fantasy points at halftime, and I think he ended up at like 19 or something like that, or even more than that. But yeah, it was just like and like so. My single entry team, like the biggest difference was I played Stafford, Julio, um, and Gaskin instead of playing uh, Mike Davis. So I just, I would like, I just, man, I looked at Julio so much this morning, and I was like, he's too cheap, he's too cheap, he's too cheap, and I, I, I just blunder. I should have just pulled the trigger on trusting myself and playing him in cash games. Like he was just. Sixty seven hundred for Julio against one of the worst secondaries in football this season. With the coach gone, you knew Atlanta was going to come out and do something. I just, man, I, Julio was too cheap.
1: Well, that's why I was way overweight in JPP. I, I, yeah, I was
2: too, but like, I, it just—I should have just—I should have just trusted myself on that one. But and it would have been. When, but if
1: we take a look at the difference between the hundred dollar giant yeah. single entry versus the five dollar giant single entry, so the difference in stakes. So you could judge, if you're playing lower stakes, judge by by these types of figures. So the difference, the biggest discrepancies that we see, Madison in the higher stakes, 71%. Lower stakes, 60%. So a difference of like 11%. Uh, Mike Davis was like plus 6% in the higher stakes. Kenny Galladay was plus 10% in the higher stakes. Trey Burton was plus 10%. Montgomery was plus 7%. Claypool was about equal. Gaskin was about equal. Uh, Fitzpatrick was a little bit more owned in the higher stakes. Thielen was about equal no matter what stakes you played. Uh, A.J. Brown was about, I mean, there's a little bit a little bit of difference. But you could see 71% Alexander Madison, who got four points. If You played him. He's not the reason why you lost. Like, as far as a decision is concerned. Like the the sharper players played him, so I mean, uh, if you see, take a look at Derrick Henry, it's the opposite differential. The lower stakes you go, the more people played him. The higher stakes you go, the sharper players didn't play him in cash games on draft games, But he still was owned enough twenty six percent in the hundred dollar double up. You know, putting up uh, forty three points. I mean, you you ain't catching those lineups. So you had to compete against the the next twenty percent that was available in your double up. So you, you, you to make up those points, but like, those are the most notable discrepancies. But even if we take a look at the $2 double up, I mean, there are guys, if you go scroll down in results, TV, you take a look at an ownership on guys that you just go, why was he owned at all in cash games? Like, like you said, Julio, Julio was 2% or 3% owned. Right. But there's a reason why people didn't play him. I mean, with the coming off of an injury, Calvin Ridley's there. I, I mean, I get it. But I mean, you're right, Stevie, if this was last year, if this was mid last year and Julio Jones, I mean, Julio Jones would be a, a nearly an $8,000 player. So, so like, yeah, you, you could have done it just that, you know, what, you know, you're taking on the risk, but I thought the same thing with Claypool. Like, can I trust yeah. Claypool at 5,200 when I have other options? It's not like, like it's a dead zone. I could play other guys at the 5k level. And don't need claypool. Tight end was a wasteland. So I didn't feel like what's really the difference between Burton and Smith, right? I'm not playing Thielen in my lineup, so I'll play Irv Smith. And what's the difference between the Dolphins and the Vikings? Well, the Dolphins are playing the Jets. And if you watch that game, because I had to sweat, Stevie, I just I had one of those sweats where you're rooting for everything not to happen, right? Because all my guys were in the one o'clock games. So I'm sitting there going, can the Jets get can the Jets get a damn first down? Okay. And then they, then Flacco gets sacked for a 26 yard loss at a field goal range. And I'm like, can you dock? Cause if they just score a field goal there, three points comes off of the Dolphins defense and I'm trying to fade points from them. So I was just glad the Dolphins couldn't convert third downs either. Cause then eventually Gaskin comes out of the game and I'm like, okay, now, now I'm safe, but still how can the jets put the jets? <laughs> they're running the ball down three scores for two yards in the fourth quarter. I'm sitting there going can you just I, I'm fine if hey if you can get the first down I'm fine with that let the clock run I just need these games to end but it just get when, when you have to rely on the Jets sweat and like you I can't give up like 22 points and it's like it's the Jets because Flacco could throw a pick six at any time we have no idea what's gonna happen but uh but the, but those are the narrow margins in, in in cash games like you know I I chose wrong on the opposite side of a 3v3 and got killed. I could have easily chosen on the right side of a three B three scored, you know, 140, 150 points and did fine, did fine in, in cash games. So like, if you were off, if you if you were playing guy, if you're playing uh Devante Parker in cash, if you were playing uh, uh, the, the Travis Fulgham or something, you know, if you were playing the like, guys that sh- shouldn't even be on your list, like th- then you have to reassess your process. But I mean, that's, I've, I've pretty much, you know, gone over, you know, that should have been your pool. On DraftKings, at least.
2: Yeah, I think the pool that you were talking about when you were um, breaking it down, I think you were right on. Um, You know, quarterback, there was three chalk guys. Fitzpatrick, Tannehill, Stafford. Um, It helps. It always helps when there's not like a Patrick Mahomes on the slate. Like, it's always going to help. Like, Lamar Jackson was on the slate, but he was so high in price that like it was a lot to get up to Lamar, so like it didn't make a huge difference. But like think about it, like Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he was there, but like he was kind of expensive. So like you were really looking at like three guys, and like you could, I saw some people play Cam Newton in cash, and like you could have made an argument for Cam, I guess. Um, and you could have made an argument for Kirk Cousins. Like you know, I was I was thinking back to like my rankings earlier this week and like cousins was in my ranking so like you can make arguments for those guys um it was just the running back like like you said though like if you look at derrick henry where was he played he was played in the lower stakes like way like and i say way but like enough um, enough to make a difference like if you didn't play Derrick Henry in cash in the hundred dollar single entry double up, you still had a chance to get there. Like, you know, if you didn't play Derrick Henry in the five dollar double up, that five percent makes a difference. Um, so I was just kind of looking really quick um at like wide receiver ownership and you know, Brown, Galladay, Thielen, Claypool, McLaurin. Um I was I was a little shocked that, like, Devontae didn't get more ownership. Um, but, like, cash games, you can see where everybody went. Like, higher stakes, everybody went. A.J. Brown, Kenny Galladay. And, like, it looked like a lot of people ended up going Claypool or Thielen in there as well. Um, the $5, like, stakes. Like, ownership on wide receivers, I didn't see, like, a huge difference in the stakes. Like, I, I feel like there was clear-cut options in cash games this week. There was – there was five guys. It was Brown, Galladay, Thielen, Claypool, and McLaurin. I get why some people played Crowder. I didn't. I I ran a lot of my like Dolphin stacks back with Crowder, so I get that. Um, Adams. I just feel like a lot of people were going Thielen and Galladay at cheaper price tag, but he he was okay if you ended up going that price range. So nothing too crazy. Um, you know, Trey Burton got a ton of ownership. Like almost 10% more in the higher stakes stuff than the lower stakes stuff. Um, But it was like him and Irv Smith were the two chalk guys. Um, Smith from Tennessee was up there as well, ownership wise. So like the builds kind of came together. It it just, you were, you were like deciding like on like two or three guys. And like you said, you were on the other side of it and um, happens sometimes like, but you can't complain. You had a, a monster day. So Let's go talk tournaments. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting here. Um, you know, the first thing that I, I always kind of look at is like, where were my stacks and what was the ownership with like the stacks that I was kind of playing? And like Jefferson, he was a it was, he was a huge difference maker today. And like you had him on your winning slant team. Um, he was a huge difference maker today. But the thing, like, overall, like, Julio was under 10%. Like, Ridley was around 12%. So, like, where was the ownership on Atlanta? Because Steelen was 27%. Jefferson was 13%. Cousins had a ton of ownership. Irv Smith had a ton of ownership. Where were Madison, people running Madison
1: the was the highest owned player. Madison
2: was a, uh, massively owned. It's just like, Blender, you knew I was coming on and talking about it, I'm sure. Like, that's the first thing that I noticed. I was like, they were one of my, like, that game was one of my main focuses. It was a lot of people's main focuses. And, like, I had a lot of Julio and a lot of Jefferson. Like, my running backs killed me. So, like, I'm not celebrating with you. But, like, where were people? Were the people just playing these Minnesota chalk Minnesota players by themselves outside of game stacks? Like, that. that's where I'm just like,
1: they, they must be because Ro- Matt Ryan was 5% owned. Like, like if, if you're going to play, like, let's say you do a Cousins, Thielen, Irv Smith type of thing, and then you run it back with, like, either Julio or Ridley, uh, like, why not just play Matt Ryan in that lineup? Like, why? And then, obviously, like, you could see, I mean, I mentioned it on the, the Sunday morning show with Tambo. Uh, I mentioned it on the Advanced Sports Analytics show. Like I'm all about correlation and leverage. I'm not like, who's the best projected play? Ah, who cares for GPPs? As long as they're projected somewhere decently, right? They're not like down at the bottom, with you know, the bad point per dollar. So I look and I see the Thielen ownership and I go, Jefferson is like the more explosive. Someone's going to put down, score big plays. It's going to be Jefferson. And he's going to come in at like three times less ownership than Thielen because Madison's there also. So like Jefferson by himself stacked with no one, you know, is a great run back in a Falcon stack that no one, that less people are playing. And then what I saw a lot of people do uh, a lot, a a lot in general, if they played Falcon stacks, they tried going Ryan Ridley, Julio, Ridley 7,800 Julio 6,700. That stack size is humongous. Like they need both of those guys need to put up hundred plus yard games with at least one touchdown. And I just thought that, yeah, the game would blow out, but not like to, not to that extent. So I was playing most of my, my Falcon stacks. My stacks of that game were primarily skinny stacks, two plus ones. If I did play a three plus one, it was with like a guy like Irv Smith or gauge or Hearst where I could get a cheaper piece. Like I did, I made groups and lineup HQ, that I wouldn't have Julio and Ridley in the same lineup. I made groups that I couldn't have Thielen and Jefferson in the same lineup. So I could always at least make, you know, a cheaper piece in a three plus one or just a skinny two plus one, which is obviously the winning lineup that I had, which is Ryan, Julio, Jefferson. But you're right. Like how could Madison Thielen be this owned and Julio and Ridley be, I mean, I expected Ridley to be like, Fifteen and Julio to be thirteen. Like, I didn't expect them to be massively owned, but it seemed like people don't correlate enough. How did the how how did the Vikings at those prices get there without the Falcons putting up a fight? So, I mean, I know Stevie, we we go over this every week, and it's not just hey, if you didn't choose this game and you lost, like that, that's no big deal. But you should be thinking about that in every game that you play. Especially if you're going to play chalk, like if you're going to play chalk Titans, right, we're going to get to that game. Hey, let's talk about that. The Titans were chalk. Let's go through the the Titans chalk average in all these contests. Henry's 25%. Brown is 23%. (laughs) Tannehill is one of the, one of the uh, the chalkiest quarterbacks. And then we take a look, we take a look.
2: just I didn't mean to interrupt you but just so you know this was the second one that I had written down before we started. So okay, just keep yeah, going. I know you but your story so you bring, bring this up. This one is like again this one this one's mind blowing too. Keep going. Uh just right, you, teach, right, the, you, people. teach the people. Teach the people.
1: Cooks is 8 is is 10% owned and Fuller is 7% owned <laughs> on average, 8% owned. David Johnson is 4% owned. Like how how are the Titans so chalky and that no one's running at bed seemed like like half of the ownership is just like by itself and just whatever. And we're just expecting the game to shoot out without anyone on the Texans scoring points. Like, how does that make sense?
2: Listen, I, it doesn't like you knew and like, okay. So you knew, you knew Tennessee was going to be chalk today. Like you knew it. Every projected ownership that you looked at on any side across the industry, Tennessee was going to be popular. Like AJ Brown was, Way underpriced with, um, you know, guys being out, they did not price him up. We just saw them on a standalone game, and AJ Brown was featured. We knew they were going to be chalky. Um, Houston can't stop the run. We knew Derrick Henry was going to get ownership. You know, even at his price tag, like the wool, Will Fuller. Okay, I can get being underweight on Brandon Cooks and you know, not wanting to chase that, but like Will Fuller is an explosive ceiling type of play and if you expect tennessee to get up in the game which is why you're playing derrick henry which is why you're playing some of these guys then you have to look at like who can get houston back into this game um i i took the i went watson fuller and ran it back with either henry or brown because again like i just didn't want to play Tannehill; he crushed me I, I like Ryan Tannehill. I think the Dolphins never gave him a fair shot, but, like, there, there's some – we can keep going. Like, there's other games that, like, we see massive ownerships. And, like, these games didn't hit. So, like, we can talk about a game that semi-busted, okay? Pittsburgh-Cleveland. It, it busted. But, like, even in that game, there was barely any correlation for a game that projected to have a good total – projected to be close look like it would have it had pieces on both sides that could be difference makers there was cheap guys on both sides with Landry and you know Claypool so like we look at tournaments and we have the play action which is the 20 entry max uh three dollar buy-in the slant the nine dollar tournament that we talk about all the time the hundred dollar single entry the twelve dollar fair catch single entry the wildcat and the millie maker we have all He's up in results DB right in front of us, looking at this, and Chase Claypool was twenty five point eight percent owned. Where's his run back? Where Where, where's
1: the, the where's like Beckham? The, where's OBJ four percent? Landry is two percent.
2: Kareem and, Hunt six percent.
1: Six percent, right?
2: That's ten percent of what I just said. Of twenty five, that's one player. We're going to see, you see ownership on Juju. There was ownership on Ebron. There was ownership on Ben. It's like, okay, that game didn't go off. Our process doesn't change for games that don't go off. We don't come on here just to talk about the games that go off. The process is the same for Cleveland Pittsburgh as it is for Atlanta, Minnesota. People are still not correlating these games enough to win tournaments. If you're playing to cash tournaments, play double ups. If you're playing to win a tournament, you have got to correlate your lineups better.
1: Right. I mean, for for instance, let's go with uh, Washington, New York. That game didn't make it, but McLaurin was 12% owned. Gibson was 8% owned. Darius Slayton was 4% owned. Golden Tate was 1% owned. Evan Ingram was 5% owned. So, like, if you were playing a ton of Terry McLaurin, how about Devontae Freeman was 9% owned. Like you should be correlating them together. And also you should be thinking of not only leverage by a negative correlation based on the player. So like Jefferson is negatively correlated with Thielen, So Thielen's chalky. I'm going to play the guy that's negatively correlated to him, which is Jefferson, you know, uh, Galladay is chalky. I'm going to play Marvin Jones negatively correlated to him, but you could also do it by price. So if you were to play Julio Jones, if you were to play Will Fuller, for instance, as that run back in a a Titan stack, that's leverage off of Thielen because Thielen's in that price range and he's taking up that slot in that level. Me playing Brandon Cooks in my lineup is leverage off of Claypool. Claypool's 5,200, Cooks is 5,000. Darius Slayton was in that range, 5,400. Claypool and, and Brown and McLaurin kind of got the ownership in that range. So if you could find a guy at like high 4Ks, low 5Ks, you know, someone like a T. Higgins or something like that, they come in way under-owned. And if you then correlate them with someone else, so that's why to me, like, that's why I had, co- in my, if you look at my winning lineup in the slant, it has three correlations in it. Just like you say, Stevie, it's a game stack within a game stack within a game stack. Like the little I talk Russian about football. it all the time. <laughs> right. It's not complicated. You can even set yeah. lineup HQ to do it for you. So like in my winning lineup in the slant, I'll pull it up. My winning lineup in the slant was a two- Matt hit- Ryan,
2: Derek Henry, Mike Davis, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Cooks, T Higgins, Trey Burton, Julio Jones, uh, Steelers defense. And I pulled this up and this was something that I was just about to talk about. Trey Burton was 17% across all tournaments that we have pulled up. He was 15.8%. T. Higgins, same game. If Burton's going to get there, you're going to need this game to do well. <laughs> T. Higgins was under 3% owned. Um, I, I, you know, I I know you're, I'm going to let you break down your lineup and, you know, go through it. But
1: no, you, you got it. What's there to break up, break down? It's play whatever you want. I mean, I just look and I go, <laughs> okay, I made the two plus one. Ryan yep. plus Julio plus Jefferson, good done. I slot in Derrick Henry. If I'm playing the foul, if I'm playing that game to pass, that means I'm not playing Alexander Madison. Who's the Who's the leverage off of Alexander Madison? Derrick Henry, who's correlated with Derrick Henry? That's also leverage off of Claypool and AJ Brown, Brandon Cooks, and then you take then you take a look at tight end. You're going to play punt tight end. Now you still have a slot to put. I'm going to correlate Burton to either Boyd or Higgins Higgins fit in that slot. So you put in Higgins, you take Mike Davis. Cause see, I think he has the highest. He was my most exposed guy. Sure. He didn't get there, but he got me enough points to win. He got me 12 and a half points. So I put him in there. And then defense is whatever fits. It just so happened to be the highest scoring defense, which is the Steelers at 18 points. It's done. You're done. I mean, like if you were to hand build that lineup, you, you could do it. Like yep. just because I'm using lineup HQ, it's a hand built lineup. I'm just, I I've set in my lineup HQ, like 50 different groups and stack rules. So I get those correlations. I even had specifically Stevie, you'd be proud of me. I, I even had, you have to even think of the, even the minuscule stuff, like T Higgins was not in a lineup as a one-off. I did not have a single T Higgins lineup that did not have a Colts player because In that game in the dome, like if the Bengals were going to be competitive, I'm expecting this game to shoot out. So like I had a rule that T Higgins conditional and it had to be in a lineup with three, the three Colts players I had in my pool, which was Jonathan Taylor, T Y Hilton and Trey Burton. So that's all I set. I just said, I don't want to have Boyd or Higgins just floating off into nothing with no Colts in it. And that's why T Higgins was in that lineup. It just wasn't randomly put there. I had it set that if I had uh, Derek Henry in a li- if I had uh, Brandon cooks in a lineup that I at least had AJ Brown or Adam Humphries. Adam Humphreys was 3% percent do He put up 18 points. He was in my Titan stacks. Those lineups didn't get there, but like, that's what I'm doing in lineup HQ because that's how you would hand build it. You would hand build this way by going, let me put in my stack first. Then let me put in my running back like, does anyone correlate with my running back on the other side of the game? Oh, he fit, Brandon Cooks, he fits in that slot. It's the, like, people make it out that, like, an optimizer does the work for you, like a job oh, projections, and he just spit it out, and everyone, you just get lucky because you have 150 lineups or something. I didn't even have 150 lineups. I had 77 in the slant. But all I'm doing is programming a, a thing to say, I, I, I'm putting in going, I want a ton of Jeffers. Like, even my exposures, I had a ton of Jefferson. I had a ton of McLaurin. I had a ton of Godwin. He didn't get there. I had a ton of Robbie Anderson because he was leveraged off of Mike Davis. I had a ton of Allen Robinson because he's leveraged off of David Montgomery. Most of these guys didn't even get there. Slayton, I had a ton of him, right? He didn't get there. I had plenty of guys that didn't get there, but these are all players that are leveraged off of chalkier players. I still had the chalkier players, but I was just under the field on them. So they fit in lineups where, where it's okay to have a chalky player because I'm playing contrarian stack. So that's like, you're, I, I, I always want to, f- I always feel like, like uh, opto bros, right. Over set, over It's the hand builders versus the opto bros. And I, uh, and I'm, I'm <laughs> primarily an opto bro, but I mean, you're using the, the lineup builder, like lineup HQ to put your lineups on a conveyor belt as if you were hand building, because this is exactly the mindset like, Stevie, you talk about it all the time, and you hand build. You're making single-entry lineups, but you're doing the same thing that I'm doing. I'm just programming it to line up HQ, the game stack within a game stack within a game stack.
2: Yeah, so, like, here's one of my teams. I had Watson, Fuller. This is one of the single-entry teams that I built. Um, it was a very, very interesting build, um, so I'm interested to get your take on this one. I had Watson with Henry Hunt, Fowler, Brown, Jefferson, Andrews, Lindsey, and the Giants' defense. Um, this is one of my highest scoring teams on the slate. It was a hand built team. Um, I don't know if it's because I was tired or what, but so I went Watson, Fowler, and ran it back with Henry and Brown. So kind of hoping for a shootout. I knew Cream Hunt was going to be low owned. Um, I knew Jefferson was going to be low owned. Man, if Mark Andrews, I was just looking at this team. If Mark Andrews does anything, this this team crushes. Um, but anyway. The, the, only this,
1: thing, the only thing that I don't like in that lineup is that, uh, like, what, why aren't you playing Claypool when you have Hunt in there?
2: No, I get it. I, I, I Listen, I, I looking at this team, like, there was a lot that I could do with tight end and the flex to make this lineup better. Like, I don't know if it like was, like... if you like, had
1: Ebron in the tight end slot, I'd be like, okay, okay, I get it now. Because I just don't think Hunt gets there without the game shooting out. Because the Hunt against the Steelers defense, it just seems yeah. like that's like a PPR type of day where that game goes over. So like, like, yeah, I didn't play any Kareem hunt, but I, like I said, I could always, you could play whoever you want as long as the lineup makes sense. So the only criticism I would have is that hunt is, is correlated, but everything else in the lineup makes sense.
2: No. And like, this is why you go back and you look at your process. This is my highest scoring team. This is the team that I made the most money on this weekend. And I go back and I look at it and like, this team's terrible. (laughs) there's so there's so many things like obviously like it was a houston tennessee stack and that stack went off so like it, it did well because of that but like there's so many things within this lineup that i could have done differently to make this team better um and like this is a winning lineup this is a winning lineup that i'm trying to see made 10x this team made 10x and i look at it and i'm like man, I could have made this lineup so much better by moving just a few pieces around. So you you have to go back and you have to look at your process. And it's how you fix little things in your own game. Like, this is why ResultsDB is one of the most underutilized tools at Rotor Grinders. Go back, look and see where you could have gained leverage. Were you thinking of that leverage before the slate? Like, I think Justin Jefferson went off, but... Justin Jefferson was one of the best leverage plays on the slate because Madison and Thielen were going to be massive chalk. Does it always happen that way? No, it doesn't always happen where the leverage play quadruples the chalky plays, but the days that it do are the days that you go from finishing 250th place to first place,
1: right? You get more relative value from those plays than another player in a different game, putting up the same amount of points. Cause you have to think in terms of if Madison, like for instance, in the, the Millie, let's take that as an example, a tournament where you should be aiming for first. If you're not aiming for first, you shouldn't be playing it at all. Thielen was 27% owned and Madison was 23% owned. Okay. Most likely there may be some overlap but most likely not a ton of overlap. So 27 plus 23 is 50%. There'll be some overlap where people have played both of them in the same lineup. So let's say, let's say that we bring that down to 40%. 40% of the lineups in the entire contest had a Vikings player that is negatively correlated to Jeff, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson came in at 13% owned. Okay. Okay. It's very similar. I always explain because people get it in major, in, in baseball, DFS. They get it in MLB. If you stack against the chalk pitcher, every point that you get, then other players actually get negative points, right? Every Everything that your player does negatively affects the player that a lot of people in the field have. So every catch that Jefferson gets, Thielens not getting. Every touchdown that he gets, Thielen's not getting, and then Madison's not getting. So instead, if I just picked a random guy that had 40 points in another game, great, you got 40 points, but it didn't come out of the 40% of lineups in the Millie that had Thielen and Madison. Because Thielen and Madison could still get there, right? They could still get there, and this guy in this other game could get there also. They're not correlated in any any capacity because they're in different games. But when It's not like like I'm predicting Jefferson is going to do well. All I know is that if Jefferson puts up a major score, all the Thielen and Madison lineups, I'm gaining like those 40% of lineups, I'm scooting over much higher than other lineups in the field. So that's why you take a look at guys like Chase Claypool and go, if if Chase Claypool fails, well, I got James Washington in five of my lineups. It's not like I played a ton of them. But it's like, okay, if Jace Claypool fails, how do I lap even more, get more relative value off of the 27% of lineups that have him? If David Montgomery fails at 24% owned, well, Allen Robinson probably did well. And Robinson came in at uh, 5% owned. So that's the that's the definition of a leverage play. I'm not predicting them to do it this game. All I know is that if it happens, I gain much more value in a GPP than just randomly picking someone that's not correlated to them. So that's why determining what is the chalk, being a good cash player helps you with that, even if you just play GPPs. Determining what is the chalk, what are chalk constructions, helps you now look at and go, what's the leverage play? Like I, I, I galaxy brained, and I, I, I know I had a big take on the this, uh, the morning show on Adrian Peterson, right? It's like what 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 got me on Adrian Peterson. I mean, he scored a touchdown, and uh, DeAndre Swift was actually the better Lions running back. Same concept. I just chose the is the slightly wrong guy. Galladay was chalk. How does how how do the Lions put up points and Galladay fails? Well, if the rushing game happens because Stafford was going to be chalky and Galladay was going to be chalky. So what's the leverage off of the passing game for the Lions, the rushing game? The problem is they have three running backs and you have to guess which one's the one that's going to go off. I went with AP, but if you went with Swift instead of AP, it's still the same leverage play. Swift put up 30 points. I could have chosen Swift over Peterson. Hell, I I played Peterson in 14 lineups. I could have made seven Swift, seven AP, but the process... Is still the same. What is the chalk and what's negatively correlated with them? It's less probable to happen, but when it does happen, you gain a lot more in your GPPs than you would just randomly picking. I think this guy's going to do well and that guy's going well. So this is, this is what I mean by game theory. Like I'm not looking at going, I think these guys are going to do well. I'm just building lineups based on an outcome. I don't know if that outcome is happening today, but if, this chalk fails, this guy does well, and I'm in position to win.
2: Kenny Galladay was 26%, and um, Marvin Jones was 4%. Like, right, Marvin, look jo- at that. Mo- Marvin Jones didn't get there. Like, no. But it, next week, if Galladay is going to be 30%, and Marvin Jones is going to be 5%, guess what? I'm going to have exposure to Marvin Jones. Because of the leverage, like you, you sent out some tweets and I was dying. Um, was it Saturday night or Friday yeah, night? I was sending were... out
1: like, what's the proper definition of like, <laughs> like four players? They were all in the same price range. And it's like, what would be a leverage? And like half the people got it wrong. And I think they got it wrong for two reasons. One, they don't know. They don't know what leverage means. Or two, they're very bad at predicting ownership. Because so I also got some tweets like, oh, it has to be this guy because everyone's going to be on the Ravens. I'm like, what? Every, no, one's gonna no, no one's on the Ravens. Like the Ravens aren't chalky. And then like, I would get so many of those replies. And that's the reason you need to get a premium membership at Roto grinders. Cause if you're not good at gauging ownership, well, Jamino does the ownership projections. He even runs like a, like an R squared and like one of the, one of the best NFL ownership projections in the industry. I mean, he, he he's, he's, with within a couple of points on pretty much all players for these large field GPPs. So if you're having a problem with that, you should definitely sign up for RG premium. And then obviously like under, like we ju- I just explained what leverage is. So if you wanted to not, let's say you didn't even want to look at matchups or anything, let's say you didn't even want to, you don't even know the teams. All you have to do is look at ownership and go, Oh, feeling zoned. I'm going to play Jefferson. Like you, you could do that. You could, you, could, you could legitimately build lineups just by what's the chalk. And if that chalk fails, who benefits from it? And then just play those guys in the lineup. Uh, revolved around other good plays. So like I said, like in my winning lineup, I still had Mike Davis in the lineup. I still had Derek Henry. I still had, I still had some chalkier players because they were the higher projected players anyway. But if you wanted to build lineups from scratch, Without even looking at any type of of any type of NFL football research, simply looking at ownership projections will help you in large field GPPs. And if you just understand leverage and correlation, like you could you could legitimately compete for winning spots in GPPs. You're not going to hit them that often, right? This is slant is a sixty five thousand person contest. I play it every week for the past three years. I finally hit but I'm constantly building lineups that could possibly hit. It's just that I, I didn't keep on doing that. I got 77 a day. Let's, I just need the one that gets there and it makes up for like this, this may, this GPP win makes my year in DFS, right? I, I, this, this automatically makes me like, I, I'm, I don't play enough volume that I'm not playing hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever. So like, can I get one or two of these a year? Well, I'm good you have to build lineups in order to get yourself in that position and not lineups that are like min cash type. So that's why correlation and leverage is so important.
2: If you don't have rotor grinders premium, you can go back and watch the ownership report from NFL week six. It was the free product from this past week. They do this each and every week. E Scott, Christian They talk about the high ownership guys. They, like this is a premium show that they do every week. Go back and watch that show. They tell you who the chalk is going to be, and they were they were really spot on again this week. Like it's it's close every week. Um, so and
1: also Scott is a torn is. I mean Escott is a is old is an OG GPP player. He's someone that I learned from. Okay, so like like don't like I I only started playing in 2015. So when I started like he's the t- Scott Hanson, he's the type of type of guy that like I'm looking to go how does he build his lineup so I could learn so even on that show he's talking about the same thing of like well this guy is going to be owned maybe I'm I'll be more on this because he will be lower because we have it, it they t- it's the same exact thing it's all under it's all under premium i mean this is this is kind of how you play gpp so if you if you want to have accurate ownership and 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 a good solid understanding of game theory. I mean, sign up to RG premium and I'm, Hey, if you have any questions, if you're new and maybe some of these concepts are, you know, you're trying to, trying to get into your brain. I'm always in the, I'm always in the discord in the premium discord stat me there. If you're, if you're a subscriber and, and I, I, I've had, I've had times that that I've spent four hours explaining stuff in the discord. I probably shouldn't be spending that much time trying to teach, but, uh, but, but that, that's, that's the value in it rather than, than just go, oh, I think, oh, it, how, how is Galladay going to be chalk? Like, no, he's definitely going to be chalk, right? You don't even have to gauge that. You just look, you look at lineup HQ and it goes, wow, he's 20, 20-something percent owned and go, well, I guess I'm playing the Russian game, right? I- I'll still play Galladay in some lineups, but maybe I play Galladay in lineups where I'm playing a Minshew stack. Right. So I'm playing the chalk guy, but I'm playing the other side of the game. So at least it's not like, like, super, like, I, I'm not getting any leverage off of anything.
2: Man, I was, um, way overweight on Minshew today. Like, really?
1: Who'd you pair yeah. him up? Did you see Keelan Cole had the quietest 143 yard game he could possibly have?
2: If Chark didn't play, I would have had so much Cole. That's what stinks. Like, I was on Cole all week chart got put in and like, I only had like two lineups with Cole. So, um, and I, I went back and I looked and both of those, um, two, like both my Minshew Cole teams, um, were Marvin Jones teams, So it's just like, <laughs> I can't win. Um, Hey, listen, no, I was it's watching fun
1: on red zone. Yeah. The game, the 1 PM games were over. I didn't even realize. And then they showed like the receiving leaders, like it's like five 30 <laughs> or something like in the Cole, 143 yards. When did that happen?
2: That was awesome, man. So um, that's it. I don't have anything else. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Game was a theory of DFS, right? Theory, TheoryofDFS.com?
1: Yeah, yeah. I teach a 15-hour audio masterclass that explains all, all these concepts to you. So you go to TheoryofDFS.com, pick it up. Uh, I am I think I'm doing a video on my lineup HQ process for this past slate to show, you know, like how I won Based on like the groups and stuff and everything that I did. But I mean, I kind of explained it here. And then, uh, and then we got a, we got a, we got a, we got like a, if you're on the West Coast, you got a, you got a, you got an NFL game that you could watch while you're dead. not many people are going to be working on the West Coast watching. We got two games tomorrow. I'll be on the, on the, the NFL show tomorrow with, uh, Keith Eister talking about that. So, so tune in and, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, this is the, re- this is the review. If, you, if you're not getting anything out of these shows, you're not going to get better. So like, I don't want, I don't want to hear, you know, that Stevie's getting trolled on Twitter with like, <laughs> well, what's the purpose of this show? It's like, well, those are the people that we want. Hey, if you're a good DFS player, we technically, we want more of those types of people because they'll never learn. So, so don't be one of those people.
2: Listen, we we've had some awesome reviews as well. Um, you know, shout out to everybody that listens to the podcast in general. Um, this show is awesome. Like, these shows to me tell you more than like breaking down a slate game by game. Like, I, I love doing game by game breakdowns. Um, I will always do them, but these slates you can learn more. I wish I would have found a podcast ten years ago talking about this stuff. Like, yeah, I would have made so much more money ten years ago. So um check that out theory of dfs.com jordan started a podcast this week as as well jordan cooper and um, james mccool tell james mccool that he um stinks at csgo um like just just <laughs> let him know i want to hear that <laughs> no not dfs just the the game oh, like the we've, game. we've, oh, we've oh, actually I don't care
1: about the game you know me i don't i don't play the games i don't
2: care no we we uh we've we've um played some video games together in the past so just tell me tell him stevie says he stinks um that's going to wrap it up here for the review for week six. We'll be back next week. Week seven um, breaking that one down talking about some Chuck talking about some busts, talking about some guys that hopefully made us some money. So we will be back tomorrow talking game one of the World Series the L.A. Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays. L.A. won the NBA championship and Tampa won the hockey championship. Who's going to win the 2020 undisputed championship for the pandemic. Uh, we'll find out seven games. Here we go. Good luck everyone. And um. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.